This is Sam Huff with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. This is Joey Gallo with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Ranger Nation podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, The Recliner Nerd, John Moore, and today's episode is Spring is Coming. Spring is Coming. We're right around the corner from spring training. we got a special one today, a special guest, Chris Halleck from Sports Illustrated. Chris is going to come on. We're going to talk about him, where he grew up, how he got into sports writing, his new gig with Sports Illustrated. He's going to be a Rangers credentialed media uh, coming up, and we're going to also talk about the Rangers Nation Road Show. Chris is going to join us out at Bricks Bar and Grill to do the uh, road show. We'll talk a little bit about that and plug that before we get into some Ranger uh, questions and Ranger um, information that we'll talk about. But we're going to do all of that right after this. All right, everybody, and welcome back to Rangers Nation's podcast. Today's episode, like we said, is it's almost springtime. We got a special guest with us today from Rangers, from, from actually from Rangers Maven or Sports Illustrated. He's going to be joining us on the Rangers Nation Road Show. On the on the phone right now, we've got Chris Hallett. Chris, how are you, sir? Doing good, John. It's uh, good, to, uh, good to talk to you, talk some Rangers, and... Uh... It's uh, been a pretty, uh, pretty insane day already with the news that just came out. But yeah, it's uh, going to be. Yeah, and you broke up there just for a second. But yeah, what, what he's talking about, guys, we're literally 15 minutes ago. News broke about Kobe Bryant. And before we get going here with uh, with what we're going to do, obviously some Ranger talk and talk about Chris and his new gig with Sports Illustrated and get into some Ranger stuff. Well, I know that Chris, you and your family were at, at church this morning, so was mine. And nothing but uh, thoughts and prayers from, from us out to the uh, Bryant family. This is obviously some tragic news today. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm just completely, I'm completely speechless. Uh, I, I don't even, I can't even put it into words. Uh, I mean, I started watching the NBA, you know, as a, I mean, Michael Jordan was my favorite player growing up. And, you know, for a lot of kids in my generation, it was the same way. But, uh, um, you know, Kobe was in that next wave. And uh, it's just, it's it crazy. It's, it just makes you realize just how precious life is. And even the people that seem the most untouchable and that, that seem larger than life. I mean, it can happen to anybody. It's happened in the sport of baseball and it can happen it can happen to anybody on the world i mean human life is, is a fragile thing and uh yeah. it's just it's crazy to think about yeah and just uh, i'm you know when you first saw it today i was like hope hopefully this is a joke but it it is being confirmed now it is true Every, uh, apparently he was in the calabasas area uh, i guess that's some part of california uh with mm. four other people so not just kobe but apparently four other people lost their lives so Obviously, I know Chris uh, from Chris and from me and my family. We want to just send out to all of them prayers and thoughts. Um, but that's not what we're here. Um, as much as we care about them, we are here to talk about uh, the Texas Rangers getting ready for uh, spring training, which is on it. Spring training is on us. It's about to start here in a couple of weeks. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit also. But uh, so what I want to do first, Chris, um, by the way, welcome to the DFW media area. I'm, I'm actually a... Uh, credential media for the Rangers. A lot of y'all know that Chris is, but but uh, but Chris, you're you're getting paid, so you you're doing this for a living now. Uh, yep. t- tell us where you were born, where you grew up. 
<clears throat> so I uh, I was born in a town called uh, Summit in uh, state of New Jersey, um, and uh, I uh, lived there. Well, I actually lived in two different towns uh, in my childhood. Uh, both uh, one was Hackettstown and one was Boonton, which is the hickest sounding town ever, and it's in the state of New Jersey. Um, lived there for eleven years. Uh, both of my parents were born and raised in Pittsburgh, uh, so I grew up. Uh, you know, even though I grew up in the New York City area, which the towns that I lived in were about 40, 45 minutes outside of the city. Um, I grew up as a, a Pittsburgh fan of, you know, Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, just because my parents were. So that's uh, yeah. um, my experience as a child. So uh, my dad wouldn't let me cheer anybody else growing up. So well, it, uh, well, that's good. You don't come here as a Yankee fan, because I think that's one of the big besides the Astros, obviously, the the. The Yankees are a big rival of the Rangers. Back in the '90s, when we were when the Rangers were first making the playoffs, the the Yankees were the ones that were in our way and just smacked us. So, um, so you know, um, so obviously Pittsburgh were your teams growing up. So, any favorite players growing up, or any favorite sport? I mean, I know you love baseball, but uh, were you a, a Steeler fan and a and a Penguins yeah. all the way across the board? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like all. I mean, I, I really do like all sports. I mean, uh, tennis is probably my like my least favorite sport, honestly. But outside of that, like like main main sports, like four major sports, uh, I really like soccer. Uh, I'm really into that. So if anybody listening is a Premier League fan or uh, just a fan of soccer in general, I'm always open to talk soccer. Um, but yeah, growing up, whenever you're being born and raised by to uh, Yinzers, which is nicknames for people from Pittsburgh uh, who yeah. are diehard Steelers fans, uh, you kind of grow up te- uh, teething on a terrible towel. So, um, <clears throat> so that's yeah, that's <laughs> you know, growing up uh, being a fan of uh, favorite players. Um, actually, baseball wise, uh, I was like my first memory of baseball was uh, a Mets Pirates game at Shea Stadium. Yeah. When Barry Bonds was still a pirate. Oh yes. But but uh, I was five. Just to put so you can kind of put a, a gauge on my age a little bit. But uh, <laughs> uh, but no, actually, his favorite player growing up would probably be Ken Griffey Jr. I just watching him, he was just one of those players that takes your breath away. And uh, there weren't a lot of pirate players <laughs> that were very good yeah. uh, in in that era. Uh, Brian Giles was a good player for a while. He had a good run with the Pirates for a little bit. I remember like uh, liking him a lot. Jason Kendall was a solid player. Um, there weren't that many Pirates to get excited about, so uh, obviously I looked around other, you know, around the league a little bit. And uh, Griffey was definitely my favorite uh, growing up. And uh, I had a lot of friends who were Yankees fans, so of course I heard about all the Yankees growing up. That's back when Derek Jeter was a rookie, you know, coming oh, yeah. coming up and. Uh, uh, so had a lot of Jeter fans, had a lot of Don Mattingly fans going back when he was a Yankee. Um, so yeah, growing up, uh, just kind of all over the place a little bit. Uh, but, uh, was a Pirates fan growing up and, uh, that was painful. Oh, <laughs> you know, and you said your mom and dad were raised there, right? Is that where they were from was Pittsburgh? Yes. So? And I, I did end up living there uh, for about a year and a half, uh, before I moved to Dallas. Uh, so I lived in New Jersey for about 11 years and then I lived in Pittsburgh for about a year and a half. And then right before I turned 13, I moved to Dallas and I've been living here since. Wow. So you know what your parents would probably, your, your parents are the ones that are going to really appreciate this. I know you're obviously probably too young. I'm a little older than you, but, uh, I grew up with uh, mean Joe green's children. So they were, All right. uh, his oldest son was my age. 
we played football mm-hmm. together in high school. He, uh, uh, me, uh, Joe, Mr. Green is what I called him. That's how I met him in kindergarten was Mr. Green. Big guy, huh. uh, but he coached our soccer team, helped coach our soccer team. It was really some fun stuff like that. And um, actually have kept in touch with with Major. His oldest son is Major. And is, he's got a Delon mm-hmm. and Joe Quell. But, you know, your parents been big Pittsburgh fans and probably with, with where you are now, they're probably a few years older than me, I guarantee you. They're big fans of Joe Green and uh, and that in that era when uh, Terry Bradshaw and them were with the Steelers, but um, oh yeah, yeah, both both of my parents were were teenagers when the Steelers were winning their four Super Bowls in six years in the seventies. So uh, yeah, they were <laughs> they were definitely that that was that whole era that that was their their forte. So yeah, uh, my dad is definitely a big fan of like me and Joe Green and Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan and Jack Lambert and all those guys. So. Absolutely. Okay. So let me ask you this. So how, tell me how you got into covering sports and uh, your job here with SI. Tell us about that. So I took the unconventional road towards having a job in sports journalism. So uh, I guess this can give any kind of hope to any aspiring writers out there. Um, <clears throat> when I first got out of high school, I was going to be like, okay, I'm going to go to community college to save on money because I didn't have scholarships you know, or anything like that. And I didn't want to have tens of thousands of dollars of student debt. So I was like, I'm going to go to community college, get my basics done, maybe take some other classes that I know can transfer to university and get my four-year degree. Right. And then in my first uh, semester of college, I decided that I liked the partying and not the college part of it and decided to just drop out. Um, so uh, mistakes of your youth that you have that come back and bite you in the butt later on. But, um, you're, you're living my story right now. So keep going. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I just, I did a bunch of different things. Uh, but eventually, uh, around the time that my wife and I got uh, engaged, uh, I was a little older and I decided to go back to school. Um, she had gotten out, she was, um, active duty in the Navy for almost five years. And so she got out of, uh, her active duty service and, used her GI bill to start going to school. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm not, I don't have anything going on right now. I probably want to do something. So I decided to start going to school. And uh, I got my two-year degree from uh, Richland College here in the Dallas County Community College District. Richland? Um, Is that what you said? Yeah, Richland, yeah. Oh, that's down the street from me. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, you know, for, I mean, really, I mean, there's a, there's a, you know, a stigma about community colleges and how it's not like this great. I, I really enjoyed my time there. I, I, it's, obviously, it, it is, you know, a, a, like a lot of things in life to do get what you pay for. I could have had a better education elsewhere. But uh, I, I really did learn a lot while I was there in different classes that I took. Uh, I took several journalism classes there. Um, so, and, and I, a lot of things that I learned there, I apply to doing my job now. And because uh, I, I do... Uh, multimedia stuff for the site as well like all the videos that you guys see on the site when you go to the site like i edit those videos and uh add the graphics and everything like that so uh you know you get you just take everything that you've learned along the way whether it be in college or you know doing other things and you just take a it's good to have you know multiple skills and learn those things because you never know when you might need them later on so uh, so how long, how long right, have you, yeah, how long have you been at the gig? When did you get hired? Uh, so I, I started writing for SI, uh, in, uh, late August. Okay. Um, I had been, uh, actually writing and covering the, helping cover the Steelers for a couple of different media outlets and, and a couple of blog sites. 
Okay. And uh, one of the, the guy who was hired uh, to cover the Steelers for SI approached me and asked me if I wanted to contribute uh, for, for him. Uh, he had, him and I had developed a good relationship over the years. And uh, so I started contributing on, on their site, you know, on, on his site for, uh, for SI. And uh, whenever, uh, you know, SI is obviously, it's been pretty well known. SI is going through a transition to going to uh, local team, you know, based content right. and uh with them making those transitions obviously they started with the nfl and now they've been transitioning towards you know getting a lot of college sites going and now nba and major league baseball and when they started looking for baseball writers i'm like well they don't have anybody covering the rangers i'm gonna talk to them and see if uh this is something that we could possibly you know do and after a few weeks of discussions and multiple interviews um, i ended up you know landing the job and started uh started back in november so i was still pretty fresh with si but uh i guess i had you know impressed right. enough people <laughs> in my my short time uh, contributing on the sealer site so that's that's um, just awesome and so it, it sounds yeah. like you've have you already gotten the, i know that you and i've discussed privately um we, we talk on twitter a lot but privately mm-hmm. we, we message each other and we now we've got each other's numbers but i know you were in the process of trying to get the credential has that all gone through now um, so still kind of in the process of getting game credentials, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the, you know, mailing list for the team and, uh, okay. then, um, that's what know, I'm on right now too. But I think in off season, we're all kind of on that because, uh, yeah, you're that, probably going to get a little bit different credential than I get. I'm assuming yours is going to be the baseball writers credential, which will just be one credential for the whole season. Yeah. Uh, for spring training, I, I'm not going to be spending a, a lot of time out in spring training. So I'm probably only going to be out there about seven or eight days just because of how things are – what the way things are working between SI and the writers right now. Uh, that's just kind of how things are going. It's still a transition that's going to take several months, if not, you know, a, you know, a long time. It, it, you know, transitions like this don't happen overnight. So right, right. Uh, especially now that they're just now starting to focus on moving towards, you know, NBA and Major League Baseball. Um and uh, just the way with things are right now, I'm probably going to spend about seven or eight days out there. But regular season, I'll be at all the you know regular season home games, and I'll be on the road a little bit for some of the road games. Not too much. I'll probably you know go to you know roughly 100 games, maybe a little more this year. Um, and well, then uh, yeah, that's going to be. You'll see me out there a lot. I, I think I you know my my credential will be different from yours. Mine's a daily credential, so. Um, I never mm-hmm. get turned down, but I have to just turn in, hey, these are the dates I want to get out there. I don't get paid. So for me, it's just, uh, a, a, you know, getting away from family when I'm going to do it. But I went to about 30 or 35 last year home games. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see each other out there a lot, and we'll really get Absolutely. to talk some more, and we'll actually get to maybe do a few more of these road shows. And, uh, you know, you're doing your pod. Maybe we can do some stuff together there too. And just uh, we, we'll be able to do a lot of that. I, um, who, all, who all in the business have you enjoyed getting to meet so far? Uh, I've Besides had me. the most, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the best conversation I remember having, um, Eric Nadell and I had a really good conversation. He was a really stand up guy. Like everything nice that anybody's heard about Eric Nadell is oh. true. Uh, that, the guy's just been, uh, he, I mean, we just had a really good conversation and I, I saw him again at the, um, uh, Texas Rangers Foundation reception that they had Friday night when they presented uh, the Rangers awards to yeah. the players and 
saw him again and you know he he called i was like hey chris how you doing i'm like oh hey you remember me yeah that's you know so he's he's a really great guy and uh um chris woodward and i had a really good conversation uh saturday at the peak at the park event we probably talked for um probably about 10 or 15 minutes so uh him he, he really good conversation really personable guy um so yeah, he is. Yeah, everybody's been. Every, really, everybody's been very, uh, very nice and you know outgoing and not really anybody giving a cold shoulder yet. So no, it's been it's been been a very warm welcome and uh, uh, it's definitely I definitely appreciate it a lot. You know. Um, yeah, you know it's, what? It's, it's and, been a good experience. Well, you and you're going in as a credentialed writer. You're going to be a writer and, and getting paid for it. So, but I came mm-hmm. in and I don't know if you met Alex Plink yet. He was out there. Um, I think he was mm-hmm. out there when you did. You get a chance to meet him? Yeah, I met him at um, the uh, when they had the media there for the last uh, construction update when they um, yeah did the ceremony for the exterior sign. Uh, yes, being yes. Uh, installed, uh, so I met him there, uh, and then I uh, saw him again uh, at uh, Peak of the Park on Saturday. Uh, so uh, he actually uh, helped me out a little bit uh, with uh, some audio from one of the interviews I had missed. I was going from video to audio uh, in the middle of a media scrum, and I missed like a very important quote. I was like, "Man, I need to get that quote." And he's like, "Oh, here you go." I'm like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and and don't and don't be ever ever be afraid of, of that too. If there's something you're trying to get, I, I helped Levi out and all of that. I don't have deadlines. I don't have to get stuff out. Um, I write yeah. my own stuff once a week. I'm usually trying to get something kind of big out and do all that. But um, I've always shared audio. If you're you know you're if we're getting in there and you're really wanting, to, hey, I want to grab this player, and I'm like doing the uh, post game with Woody, I can be like, hey, I'll email it to you so you can listen to it and you know whatever. Yeah, it- it's a team I, can, I can definitely tell. I can definitely tell that uh, you know the, the the writers and everything. Uh, you know, so far for me, for me, uh, you know, there have been a couple a couple of writers so far that have been helpful uh, with you know whatever it is, whether it be you know audio stuff like that, uh, you know, getting quotes or uh, um, just pieces of pieces of advice or um, you know where to stay, you know, going out to spring training, just different things like that. It, people have been really helpful. You know what? Uh, so I'll, I'll, we'll talk to you because I need to know. The, the wife and I are in it. First time ever for me, too. I'm going up for about four days um, at the end of February. And the only thing we haven't figured out is where we're going to stay. So I'll hit you up for that later. We won't do it in public here. And, uh, and, and see what they told you. So I might try to get into to where they are. Um, So that's good. So, you know, we do need to uh, sort of get into some Ranger stuff. But we're going to talk about the road show. So Chris is, is dis, uh, was eager and right, I mean, right away when I reached out to him, you said, yeah, let's do that. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to be at Bricks, uh, Bricks Bar and Grill up in Plano. And uh, they've got us all set up showing us what we're going to do. I've got all the equipment together. I think I told you guys yesterday, we're going to have some speakers there so that anybody that wants to come and listen um, and just sit in there, you'll be able to hear because we'll, we'll all have headphones and, and uh, microphones on, but y'all be able to hear what we're hearing. Um, I'm going to try to hopefully line up maybe a couple of phone calls while we're there, uh, a couple of uh, riders or maybe uh, someone like CJ Nikowski or something like that and see if they'll jump on with us for a couple minutes while we're trying to do it. I haven't uh, confirmed that yet. I haven't reached out to CJ. I've got his number, and he did some stuff with me last year, so I'll reach out to him. But uh, it's going to be a fun time. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. Uh, anytime we get to, like, anytime, whether it be on social media or in person or anything, uh to interact with fans or interact just talking. I, I like talking baseball just in general. I, I'm a baseball, I'm a baseball romantic. Um, you know, I, I, 
I really am. I I I watch like even after I started writing baseball movies, I or writing baseball, you know, becoming a baseball writer, I, I was like still want to watch baseball movies. And my wife is like, "Don't you get enough baseball at your job?" You know, and stuff like that. She's like, "You have to watch another baseball movie." I'm like, "Yes, I want to watch another baseball movie." And it's funny because my favorite baseball movie is her least favorite baseball movie, um, which is uh, The Natural. Which oh. you know, it's for different. It's not that she doesn't like the movie; it's she just she's uh, sick of it. <laughs> well, well that's that one thing because I do overkill it for sure, and then uh, <laughs> she just doesn't like the pace of it. I mean, she likes the, like the ending of the movie. She she likes the ending. She just doesn't like the pace of it. Uh, but we definitely both agree on like uh, Field of Dreams is a fantastic baseball movie, oh, yeah. and. Uh, um, uh, League of the Round is another good one. And I know that she likes that one too. So, um, I'll, yeah, I'll tell I you mean, what. Do you do Netflix? Uh, yeah, we have we have Netflix at home. Yeah. Okay. Have you heard of the Battered Bastards of Baseball? I have not. Go to Netflix, and I, I promise you this: when we go to the road show, you will go, John. Thank you for for turning me on to that. It's called. The, it, it is a documentary. <laughs> it's the Battered Bastards of Baseball. It's a uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, you know, the actor, Kurt Russell, his father mm-hmm. went up and back, but, and now there's independent leagues all over the place, but back there for a while, this was in the seventies, uh, I believe when they did this there, the independent leagues had totally died off. Everything was affiliated baseball throughout the country and a triple a team. And I believe it was in Portland closed down and, uh, and being Russell was an actor a character actor was in all the gun smokes and all of that. It's the story of him who was just a huge baseball fan and used to, he grew up kind of near where the Yankees spring training was and was a bat boy for him and all that. He went up into Portland and started an independent team called the, the Portland Mavericks. And they played in single a ball against affiliated because there was no independent leagues. So they had to play against the affiliated and, and it tells that story and they were beating everybody. Um, and they had open tryouts and it became a national thing because like back then, I think it was, something like Baseball America or Baseball Weekly or one of the old publications put an ad that said there were open tryouts for professional baseball. And uh, it's, it's, you'll love it. I'm telling any baseball romantic will watch that. I've watched it three times. Every once in a while when I'm bored, I'll like, you know, I want to watch this thing again. Uh, it, it's really good. So it's the battered bastards of baseball. You need to get that. And I promise you'll thank me for it. I'll definitely look it up because so you combine two things that I really, really like and that's baseball and documentaries. So yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it would have to be a really, really poorly done documentary for me to not like it. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I'll, I'll definitely check it out for sure. Okay. So th- now, you know what? We, we've talked about the road show. We're hoping we get a lot of you to come out there and see us. I know that some, some friends and family that have talked about it, they want to come out and see it too. But we'll, hey, if we get enough people, we'll certainly uh, get you guys to ask some questions while we're there. Um, yeah. from, from all around between the four of us, we'll have, uh, with, with JC and Alex and, uh, Chris and myself, we'll, we'll be able to get some good answers in for it, but for you and me, let's get into the Rangers now. So, so far, what do you think about this off season? What kind of a grade do you think they've gotten? Um, I would probably put it at like a B plus or a minus right now, probably closer to a B plus, just like if you put it like a school grade on it. Um, exactly. I really like what they've done a lot. Uh, especially with the rotation. Obviously, it's seen the most improvement. Um, I like the additions of Torinos and Frazier. Um, not everybody was huge about Frazier, um, but uh, he, well, they had to address third base. They didn't get Rendon. They, uh, the price was too high for Donaldson, and 
based on the contract that he got, I'm glad the Rangers didn't offer anything like that. So, Absolutely. Um, I, I, I mean, and after those two guys, it's, I mean, the best on the market was Todd Frazier. So it's either trade for Nolan Arenado or Chris Bryant or it's signed Todd Frazier. And the great thing is, is that because you signed Todd Frazier and he's got the versatility to go across the diamond, you can still pursue, you know, a trade for Arenado or Bryant. So yeah, you can still kick uh, the it, doors. Yeah, kick the yeah for exactly. Sure. Exactly. So uh, I think that they've, because of the acquisitions they've made and leaving flexibility and versatility open to do more things i think because of that not just for later this off season but for future off seasons like next off season when you have some big names that are going to be free agents yep. next year mm-hmm. uh you still have money to spend for that uh obviously if they you know do happen to it's unlikely but do happen to acquire arenado obviously that's gonna eat up uh, some money but uh overall i think it's been a really good off season for them i think they've uh, really gone from what they were in 2019 and, and turned it around to be a, a competitive team this year. Uh, I think if they add another piece, uh, obviously Arenado would put them as contenders for the division, but even uh, acquiring Castellanos or trading for Marte would also, I think, really elevate them to being legitimate playoff contenders. Absolutely. And people forget there's different players on the roster who could you know, you've got Heineman who played a little bit of first base last year. You've got uh, Danny Santana. If they were to get Marte, he could move over to first base. Now, it's not ideal. And that's if Guzman continues to falter. He played well at the end of the year last year. Um, mm-hmm. He's the defensive guru over there. But obviously, you want more out of your corner spots. You do want more, a little more pop and a little higher average. But he did well towards the end. Uh, second base, like we said, is a question. But I think uh, – I don't know about you. I think that Odor will be a lot better than he was. But if he's not, he's going to be on the shortest leash he's ever been on. Um, I -hmm. think since they weren't competitive last year, it was try to let him play through it. But if he starts out and does the same thing, you've got Solak, who's not as good a defender. But, I mean, you got that bat somewhere you're going to try to be getting in the lineup. Santana Mm -hmm. can play second base. Um, So you've got the options there to do that. But like you said, look, I I don't know how you felt about it. I, I thought for even when it was first mentioned, Arenado seemed like a pipe dream to me. I didn't see uh, – not, not, mm-hmm. not in the fact that I didn't think the Rangers could pull it off because the biggest attraction the Rangers would have, yes, they have some prospects that that Pittsburgh or that uh, Colorado would be interested in, but they're not going to be as many major league-ready prospects. Rangers could take on the whole contract. That's what they could yeah. do, which would be attractive if you're looking, especially since he can opt out in two years. Um, to do that. But I just thought all along who would put the halt on that would be the ownership. The ownership of the Rockies would be telling their fans, oh yeah, we've been to the playoff two out of the last three years, but we're going to rebuild. Um, yeah. Even with some injuries last year and stuff. So that that's why I was like, I, I think we're kind of, you know, but now this whole thing's turned around with apparently Arenado was not happy about any, how the way any of this was handled. No, uh, he, he's very upset. Uh, I mean, even Monday Monday night, I mean, it was, I mean, the Rockies general manager, Jeff Riddick, came out and he was like, yeah, uh, offers are off the table now. Uh, we're going to go get ready for the season. And I, I, I don't think it was even an hour or two hours later, you know, those quotes came out from Arenado about his unhappiness. And uh, that that just changed the whole the whole outlook of the whole thing so we we know that you know before that point that the rangers had been in contact that had both been reported on uh the rangers side of things and on the rockies side of things you know uh they 
they've been in contact. Is it likely to happen? No, it's not. Uh, John Daniel said the same thing to the fans on Saturday. Yeah, to, you were there, yeah. So yeah, the mo- multiple questions that fans asked about Arenado, uh, you know, and and I understand there's there's excitement about, and just a, just a little tip to fans, if if a if a player is not on the team, management or coaches or whatever are not going to specifically mention players that they don't that aren't on the team. Right. So when you ask. John Daniels about, you know, Nolan Arenado or Nicholas Castellanos, he's not going to specifically talk about those guys. No. Um, so those questions pretty much just go in vain. You just have to kind of understand what, and this is why, this is why you have baseball reporters who try to find out as much insider information as we can and exactly. relay it, relay it to fans. I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. But even then you have to take what John Daniels told fans, you know, with a grain of salt to a point because, he could be putting up a smoke screen and saying that, yeah, we are more likely to do a trade than sign a free agent at this point. But he could also be saying that because he wants to kind of cool any fire down right now on the Nicholas Castellanos pursuit because every single national outlet is saying, oh, the Rangers are the favorite to land Castellanos. And, uh, you know, Scott Boris is going to see that stuff and he's going to try to get every single dime that he can get out of any team. So exactly. This is uh, a bo- so I, can- I, I figured that was aimed at Boris, kind of like, hey, we've got different ways we can go. And I, I, I yeah. really do think Boris is trying to squeeze every nickel. No, and there were different, there were, I don't want to say different or conflicting because they, they weren't conflicting. But there were, you know, Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson from Four Star Telegram wrote, you know, from one perspective, Evan Grant wrote from another perspective. And I reported on Twitter, you know, that I had had talks with, you know, members of the organization that, if they get Castellanos, they have a specific plan for him. Yeah. And, you know, fans were asking like, well, I thought they weren't going to be getting Castellanos now. I'm like, no, that's not what John Daniels said. John Daniels said that they are more likely to do a trade right now. And he could be flat out 100% telling the truth. Exactly. Just because he could have had a, a conversation with Scott Boris on Friday night before Saturday. And Scott Boris is like, yeah, he's leaning towards Cincinnati right now. Or he's leaning towards this right now because they're offering more money or whatever the situation is. Exactly. And John, so John Jones is like, okay, well, it looks like a trade is more likely to happen now. And then he could wake up Monday morning with a text from Scott Boris and he's saying, okay, Castellanos really wants to come there. Can you guys offer this? You know, baseball, the business side of baseball is fluid. It's always changing. You never know when things are going to change. And that's something that you just have to understand that just know right now that the Rangers are interested. Castellanos has some interest, obviously, in coming to Texas, but he also has other suitors and he's going to make the right decision for himself, his family and exactly. his wallet. So yeah. And, and so the way it is. And, and I had a question there that I'd sent you. I mean, who, who would you like to see the Rangers get if uh, out there? I mean, Castellanos is uh, someone in my, in my opinion, I, I would love that deal defensively. You know, you'd have to put him at first the way, yeah. and you were saying that, that you, when talking to him, that's sort of where they were leaning, putting him over to first. Uh, yeah. So I would, I mean, of the realistic options, and I'm excluding Arenado from that because if I do get my choice, Arenado's the number one choice. Well, well, because yeah, that's yeah. So <laughs> yes, I'm excluding exactly. him from it. Right. Um, Cass, I do like Castellanos the most just because his acquisition has the least amount of possibly negative trickle-down effects because you can just plug him in at first base and the only person you have to worry about um, possibly hurting in the process of Ronald Guzman. Right. Um, and 
but at the same time, you're adding a power right-handed bat to the lineup, and it really helps balance out the lineup. Castellanos is willing to play first base from everything that I'm hearing. Right. Uh, the Rangers plan to put him there. They are definitely not planning. They, I mean, Joey Gallo is going to be cemented in right field. Yep. That's everything that I'm hearing. Uh, and that, and then that's, that, yeah, that's just the way it is. So I heard, I heard that too before yeah, yeah. last year. I was hearing that too. Look, Joey Gallo is a adequate third baseman, a, a decent third baseman. He is an adequate and decent center fielder. He has the potential to be a superstar right fielder. That can't, I, I, I can. I can tell you right now that with my conversation with Chris Woodward, and he said, you can quote me on this, Joey Gallo will win a gold glove in right field. That is what Chris Woodward said. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, he, he is excited about what Gallo is capable of, especially putting him in the right position in the outfield. So when it comes to acquisitions, I do like the Castellanos for the best. I do like Sterling Marte as well. Um, the thing that I'm worried about with Marte if not like his defense, oh, his defense is not good. You know, I'm actually more worried about putting Danny Santana back in the super utility role, which even though he thrives there, yeah, um, I do know that first base is one of the least, if not his least favorite position to play, and that's what he played the most last year. Yes. So then at that point, you're saying, okay, well, if we get Sterling Marte, you're probably going to see Danny Santana more at first base than anything, and then you're having to worry about, okay, you're trying to get him to build off of what he did last year. Exactly. And then also you're putting him back in a position that he might not necessarily like to play. Yeah. So uh, that's something that I kind of worry about when it comes to, again, that that possibly – it might not have a negative impact. He, he's said that he's very open-minded to playing that that role again. Yeah, he likes uh, getting the bats. Yes, he likes getting that bats, but at the same time, I mean, he told he told the media on Friday night, he said – it's every ball player's dream to play one position and to yep. to be cemented in in a spot, and that's what he wants. So if you do get Marte, yes, you're upgrading your offense for sure. Uh, but at the same time, you just kind of wonder again that trickle down effect. And I'm a little more concerned with Santana wanting to build off of the kind of year he had last year um, than rather bringing Castellanos and see what happens with Guzman at that point because. Yep. You know, going forward, you know, Guzman could still be, be a very valuable player. And especially if he gets the bat going, he could be another, he could be a, he could be in the mix, you know, after sure. Shinsu Chu's uh, contract is off the book. Yeah. yeah. And last year I, I asked, I asked Woody this, you know, directly. Uh, there was one point when it towards the end of the season and Santana was just in the lineup every day. He was playing somewhere different. Or uh, he went through the stretch where I think he was playing first base just about every day. Guzman was down. Or he was playing center field. I can't remember at the time, but I, I directly I said, look, is is there a point where you're just going to look at right now and just say, you know what, every day you get here, just pencil yourself. You are the starting first baseman or you are the starting center fielder. I said, is there a point when you're going to do that? And, and I wasn't directing that at, at, at Rugi because everyone thought he should just be the starting second baseman. And, uh, mm-hmm. and Woody looked at me and he said, honestly, he's way more valuable to me in the role he's in. He goes, mm-hmm. his bat's going to be in the lineup, period. But he said, he's, a, he's more valuable to me that I can move him where I need to, and it makes him more valuable. Now, that was last year on a team that was still finding itself. When you get and, the and, and had almost no depth at, at that point, too. Yep. That's a, that's a very, very important thing to remember about the 2019 Rangers as opposed to this year's team. Yep. Exactly. They're they're now trying to solidify each position is what they're mm-hmm. trying to do. And then have him, you know, if they solidify 
whatever move they make, they're going to, like you said, with, with Dan, Santana, if, he's, if he hits the way he was, he's either going to be the starting first baseman if it's Marte, more than likely, unless Guzman just comes out and hits 400 in spring training and is on a roll, or he's going to be the starting center fielder if it's someone like Castellanos then he'll probably be the starting center fielder. That's what he wants. That's what he would love. I think center field is way more befitting his talents than first base. Um, he just is, you know, he's just, in my opinion, that's my opinion. Let me just say that's my opinion. But uh, I would agree. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and, especially, but, especially because, I mean, a part of, I mean, everybody knows that part of baseball is mental. Exactly. And if he's playing a position he wants to play, which is center field, that's obviously going to be an added bonus to playing first base, which is a position he necessarily doesn't like to play. Exactly. Uh, he's willing to play it. He's like, like you said, he just wants to get back. He wants to get in there and hit because he just likes to hit. Uh, at the same time, you're going to be possibly plugging him into positions that he might not want to play. But um, it's it, it, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, which which do we want to go with? Because he was so valuable in that super utility role last year because he could play. I mean, he played at every single position other than pitcher and catcher multiple times. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that, that's a, that's a very, very valuable player to have. Uh, but at, you know, at the same time, do you, do you want to say, okay, well, this is going to be one of my key guys going forward. And right. so because of that, I want to put him in, in a position where I'm giving him the best opportunity to thrive and grow and become the better player when right. I'm not having to worry about what, what, okay, where am I playing in the field today? Am I playing second? Am I playing center? Am I playing first? Am I playing left? You know, whatever it is. Exactly. I just know that I'm coming to the ballpark every day. I'm playing center field and I'm hitting, you know, it's just where am I hitting in the lineup, you know, and yeah. obviously Woody's going to have, you know, more options this year. Yeah. To line up. You know, and right now the only look, he, he is so versatile, but is he a shortstop? Because who is the backup shortstop? on this team. Solak's not, um, you know, no. I think if, I think that if Santana had, had really stood out at third base, that that was something he could play and that he was capable of, of playing that defensively well, mm-hmm. then I think, I think they would have not made third base a priority going into this year or not as big a priority, but he, look, he played some very adequate third base, but like we said with Joey, he was just adequate. He was okay. Uh, you know, over there he, he's, I think center field is, besides maybe second base, which he came up playing, is more of his – that's really kind of where he would fit the best in, in the right situation. So I, I think in my personal opinion, too, I would like to see Castellanos if that's the deal. Arenado, of course, we're talking Arenado or Chris Bryan, if that was even capable. Sure, mm-hmm. that, that's just – that's a given. You and I are both going to sit here and go, well, yeah, we'd love to see that. Um, but let's get into reality. Um, I think the best – one that's likely to have a chance to come here might be Castellanos. Um, and I do think they could pull off a trade for Marte, but Castellanos is kind of the one I'm leaning towards also. Because I think that that does put uh, uh, Santana in a good position out in center field. And and you know what? Guzzi, uh, make it a hard decision. You know what I mean? So you, you, you bring in uh, Castellanos, put him at first, and then Guzzi's job is to make that a tough decision and just be so awesome well, that he's the, he becomes trade tradable or just, you know, maybe he stays on the roster and, and kind of, you know, plays every so often. Well, I mean, and one thing that you could do, I think Guzman still has a place on the roster, especially with it being a 26-man roster now. I still yep. think Guzman has a spot on the roster, uh, even if they do get Castellanos, because you could have him as a late-game defensive replacement Absolutely. because he'd obviously be a, de- be a defensive upgrade over Castellanos. Yep. Of course, you know, Castellanos is a former third baseman. Right. And the thing, the things that he struggled with the most at third base wasn't the fielding, it was the throwing. 
Right. And um, so there's, I mean, to, to, to just write off and say that Castellanos would be a, a bad defensive first baseman, that's a little unfair. You know, let's at least see what the guy's got. You know, he's oh, a yeah. former corner, corner infielder. You know, maybe if you give him a bigger glove and he's not having to throw anymore, he's just got to worry about catching the ball or picking it out of the dirt. You know, yep. then maybe that's maybe that's a, a better spot for him. So, I, I don't know. I, I mean, yes, I, I think the Castellanos deal is, is better, and I, I do think uh, that Guzman still has a place on the team with Casti, even if they were to land Castellanos. So, yeah. um, that's why I say I, it, it to me is the is the acquisition that makes the most sense with the least amount of trickle down negative negative trickle down effects uh and it gives the team the best opportunity to compete in 2020 with still having flexibility to yep. add more next offseason yep absolutely um so it, it, let's see here what did i have here for you what who do you what player any of the players that you've gotten to talk to who have you been the most impressed with or or really you know just friendly guy the really good guy i i have my opinion on ones i met last year joey was always engaging when I had a chance to talk with Gallo and all of that. But who, who have you uh, gotten to talk to that you're like, wow, this guy, you know what, he, he comes across really well, a really nice guy. Uh, really nice guys. I mean, just about every player has been really personable so far. Uh, and I've, I've been in media scrums around several players so far. Every, every player has been approachable, you know, uh, obviously being new to the, the media, you know, to the media scrums, you know, I'm introducing myself to all these guys, right. uh, you know, for the first time. So everybody's been really, but the players that have impressed me the most, uh, the one for sure. And it's because of the attention that he's going to get going to spring training is Jose Trevino. Oh yeah. Um, the, the time that we got to, uh, to talk with him, which was at an autograph signing when they were doing the caravan thing that went through, um, um, uh, in Frisco where the Rough Riders play at Dark Rubber Ballpark. Yeah, Frisco. Uh, yeah. he just, he just, uh, he, he blew me away with his confidence level with, uh, the homework that he's done. Uh, I remember writing a piece, uh, on that for the site. Yeah. Uh, right after that about the opportunity that he's ready to seize if he, if he gets it. And he's, I mean, he's already doing homework. He's, yeah, uh, yeah. he's talking. I read that. That was a good article. Yeah. Yeah, he's talking about, you know, talking with Roberto Perez and getting, you know, doing his homework on Kluber and uh, other guys, you know, the, obviously Kyle Gibson and Jordan Miles coming to the to the rotation this year. So yeah. just his confidence level mixed with everything that he's doing in this offseason, both physically and uh, in preparation, I, that's been what's probably been the most impressive thing to me. Uh, watching Gallo prepare and everything that I've, I talked to, you know, again, people that I've talked to in the organization, they are just blown away with everything that he's been doing this off season. Uh, you can tell that Joey is itching to, to get out there and to build off of what he did in 2019, which he was on the cusp of breaking out as a superstar last year Absolutely. Uh, before, you know, he, he obviously had the oblique injury in June. Right. And then, and then the um, you know, had, he had the hammer bone injury that ended his season uh, in late July. So uh, he is definitely itching to get back. And you can tell by his by his workout routine. Um, you know, Chris Woodward told me yesterday, like he's doing things now that some players don't even do in their training. In by the time the season starts, yeah. like he is just he's just itching to get out there and, and prove that he's because he knows. Now that he's actually done what he's been able to do and sustain it, 
Yep. Now he knows he's capable of it. And right. so it's now, okay, I can do this and then build on it and get even better. And yep. that, that's, that's a very, very huge thing because now the men, the mental aspect of it is not a factor anymore because now he knows he's, knows he's capable of it. And going, so going forward, it's, it's going to be, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's capable of this year and what he possibly does. And especially now that he's, playing a more suitable defensive position as well. Yeah, and, and let me tell you what, and, and, and to, to reiterate on that and to kind of compound on it, that's the better word. Um, last year I remember sitting there talking to him in the in the clubhouse after one of the games, and he was out at the time. He was still on the injury. And we were talking to him. Or he, he, no, actually he had probably played. And we were talking about uh, whatever we were talking about, uh, he went into a situation about when, when last time we faced whatever team that was coming, whatever – Last time you faced this team, uh, you you know you only had three hits uh, in the series. Blah 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 blah. And he goes, yeah, but I walked like five times. He goes, so to me that's eight hits um, that I had in the series. And and I immediately went, that's what I want to hear right there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when he, of course, we'd love to see him hit five hundred foot home runs and, and do that. But he thought he looked at the walk like, if you want to pitch around me and put me on base. Or you know, not throw me something to drive. That's fine. I'll take the walk. And um, I mean that he popped that out. Yeah, but I walked like five times. So honestly, I hit about, you know, in his brain, he put the average at. I think I hit about five hundred. You know, whatever it was. And I was like, that was good. Now he's also. So I went out there. Um, uh, I didn't go. Y'all went out there too. I saw that you were doing some stuff out there when they were at the the facility, the, the workout facility there in West Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went out when the the first time they let us go out and go in the park and they actually took a little batting practice inside the stadium um, mm-hmm. that day. And, uh, and what I found interesting about that, he didn't hit that well in there, but he knew he wouldn't. And he walked up and we, there was about three or four of us, me and me and Alex was there actually. And we were just sitting there talking to him and chew about four or five of us in a huddle. And he was like, man, I haven't hit any live pitching yet. That's not on my program yet because I'm worried about how this is going to look. And I was like, okay, well, we're realist. We know that it's okay if you're going to miss a few. You know, that was in my brain that I was saying that. We understand. Because at the moment, I'm sure they were just hitting off the teeth. Chu actually refused. He goes, no, I don't have live, live pitching till January. That's when I start yeah. hitting live pitching. I'm not, these guys, they have a routine. And they are and, and they are super. And Joey was already thinking, I hope no one looks at what happens today and thinks for any reason that I'm downhill. I haven't hit live pitching yet. It's kind of what he was saying. And we were the ones going, okay. So, you know, I, I get that because, um, boy, he is. He's focused on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's something. That, and, and just to add uh, a little bit to that in terms of like what these guys are going through uh, every offseason, uh, you know, the guys that live here locally, you know, Joey and Willie and uh, you know, all those guys that, that live here locally and work out together, you know, that, that's another reason why I think that this team is, is – potentially a really special team i'm not saying i don't want to make comparisons because it's unfair right um but i think you know if people remember the the 2009 rangers yep i think that this team could possibly be a lot like that team i'm not saying that like they'll compete for five months and then fall off in september but I, i honestly because you're talking about a team that was kind of under the radar that had a lot of young players that i mean you're talking about like I remember Chris Davis being on that team and I was really high. I was a Chris Davis guy back yep. then. Mm-hmm. And so when he didn't end up getting like the first base job and then he ended up getting sent down and you started seeing Justin Smoke play during the 2010 season, 
Um, I, you know, I was a little upset about that because I, I, I was a Chris Davis fan because I saw his potential in 2009. And then when I ended up breaking out in Baltimore, I'm like, well, I wish he was still on the Rangers. You know? Right. Exactly. Uh, but, but I think that this team has a lot of similar qualities to that 2019 that could end up really just, again, not looking like a contender. Right. But they end up really, because you, you have a you have kind of a high floor and a high ceiling, right? But usually people expect to be closer to the floor than the ceiling, and obviously that 2009 team and the 2010 team really performed more towards their ceiling. And I think that this team has that capability of performing closer to their ceiling, just because of the type of players that you have and where they're at in their progression. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited about what the, what the team is capable of, and yeah, to just talk about offseason programs. Uh, to let everybody know in case you didn't get a chance to read either my my piece on it. I know Jeff Wilson did something on in uh, the Four Star Telegram on it uh, that Corey Kluber is uh, in his normal offseason routine right now. He's throwing off the mound right now, and so, so he, he is not playing catch up from the injury. He's ready. no, he's he's ready. He's he said he is where he normally is in the offseason. So it, every indication too. that he that he's healthy, that he's rested. Um, he talked about wanting to be or that he had a chance to really look back and see the things that did go wrong because he did make seven starts in 2019 before the injuries derailed the season but you know those weren't seven good starts I mean his ERA was 580 in those seven starts so um you know and he he said he had a chance to look back at that and and fix some things so uh, you know that that's just people want to know what's going on with Kluber you know and and obviously the health is probably the biggest thing he's exactly where he's supposed to be right now from yeah. what we heard from him yesterday. Oh, and let's be honest. If Corey Kluber is is 75 to 80% of what he <laughs> normally is, that's mm-hmm. a major, major upgrade to this rotation. I mean... Yeah, if he's, uh, if he's anything close to his 2018 form, and then if Miner and Lynn are even anything close to their 2019 seasons, you have their one through three is competitive with just about any other. Maybe there's a couple rotations that are better. Right. But you're talking about putting them in terms of one, two, three, top five in major league baseball, or at least in the American league. So that, that is the, the potential of the starting staff is one of the reasons why I'm a little, a little more optimistic than, than some other like fans or anything or anybody else's, you know, going into the season. No, and you're not alone. And and I come from it as I'm lucky. I get to, uh, come with it more as a fan perspective. Um, mm-hmm. As a fan, I know you're you're a fan, but you also have to be somewhat objective as your job. Oh yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I don't have to. So ha ha ha. I don't have to be as objective, <laughs> but you do. And I, I always kid Levi and Evan and them, and because when they do have to ask the tough questions, I just get to sit back and watch it. I don't have to be the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I mean, believe me, I don't I don't like writing you know negative things about about any player because you've got to then face that guy that you know the next time you see him and if they read what you wrote about them then you know and that that's exactly what you but you, you do have to be objective like there are certain players you know in last year's team that underperformed and you can't just you know Ignore. be nice about it and yeah. yeah and just be like oh well no they were they were pretty good you know i can i can you know and, and one player that is a really good example of that is jeff mathis did he do some things well last year absolutely he was really good him and Miner were really good together. His yep. numbers with with Mathis were were better than his overall season numbers. And I mean, they started. I mean, Miner started thirty two games last year, and they were paired together for twenty seven of them. So that means those other five starts, the numbers were really inflated. 
Right. Uh, I haven't looked at the numbers, but if you base what they what Mathis and Miner did together, they were lower than his regular se- his overall season numbers. So those other five starts obviously had to be inflated. Right. Um, but obviously, you look at what he did at the plate, you know, and you're like, it's hard to have a, a hitter in, in an American League lineup that bats 158. Yes, exactly. Um, but at the same time, then you start getting some other things into context. He played more games than the Rangers wanted him to. Yep. Uh, he was dealing with a back injury near the end of last year. Yep. So you you have to take those things into account. And now, so, but when you're evaluating, you have to be able to look at it objectively. You have to be able to look at, okay, here's the things that he did good. Here's the things that he did bad. And listen, when you write that stuff, when you said, hey, Jeff Mathis wasn't a good hitter last year, he's not going to be stupid about it and, and ignore it and be like, yeah, oh no, I was a good hitter. Everybody knows that if you batted below the Mendoza line, yes, you had a rough you, you had a rough year at the plate. Yep, uh, he, he knows that, but he also is not going to be in the same role that he was in 2019 because of the addition of Robinson Torinos. So, and Mathis, that's why I'm. Yeah, he was yeah, always friend, you know he was always friendly too. He's another friendly guy that that was in there. Rugi, you know, Rugi mm-hmm. could be a little, you know, when you're having a bad game and do that. But like like you said. Um, yeah, he did a lot of things that people – and you can't tell that to me. I'm a nerd about baseball, but someone that's just a fan, they don't see the stuff like you pointed out with the 27 starts and where uh, Miner was with him in the 27 starts. They don't see that that's so important. And, yeah, of course 158 is not acceptable in American League lineup. But, you know, look, I think in reality, in reality they wanted him to start about 50 games. Um, 50 to 55 games, and they wanted to see uh, IKF just come in and kind of take it over and, and do 100 games, 110, or whatever it needed to be. He obviously failed at that. Um, this year, they don't want Mathis to catch, you know, 80. He, would he, ca- he caught 80 games last year, right? Eight, somewhere close to 80. I, I'd have to look at the numbers, but he, he definitely caught way more games than they wanted him to. And now you're bringing in a guy in Torino who caught. Um, I, I don't remember exactly. I think 100, he either caught 106 games or he at least made appearances on 106 games last year. Right. He exactly. definitely caught over 100 games for the Astros. Right. So, I mean, if he's healthy, you're looking at a guy who's probably going to catch at least 100 games, and then you have to worry about what, 60 games. Yep. So, at most, he'll catch 60, but you also know Trevino is going to get in there as well, whether it be because with the 26-man roster and John Daniels and Chris Woodward being open to possibly at certain times carrying three catchers, uh, you know, those really long stands where they have like 18 games in a row without having a day off, you could see them carry three catchers just yep. to preserve some health. Uh, so, you know, Trevino is going to get in there as well. So you just, you know, automatically that Mathis is going to have a more limited role than he did yes. in 2019. So that's why I'm not, you know, looking at this from an, uh, an objective point of view. I'm like, okay, listen, Mathis was, and a, a bit of a, a disappointment in 2019, you know, to, to put that, you know, lightly. Right. Uh, but he's not going to be the same, you know, in the same role in 2020. So that's why I'm not writing him off. That's why John Daniels and them are looking at him as if the season started today, more than likely Mathis is the number two and not Trevino. Yep. But they're going to go into spring training and be open about it. And that, yep. that's just, it's, it's, you know, my job, it's Levi's job. And, and Evan and, and TR and, and Jeff, it, it's our job to find out the information and break it down so that you get so that fans can can read about it and know exactly what what the club is thinking and why they're thinking it. Yep. Um, whether you like the decision or not, they're they're making certain decisions right now that 
as a fan, I wouldn't necessarily support, but I see, I see why they're doing it and right. why it makes sense. But these guys know, know way more than I do because they work in baseball and I don't. <laughs> That's the deal. Um, I, I look at it and and, it's, and I get into, especially in Twitter, you know, it is some of the people just they, they go. Everybody's off. an expert on Twitter. Absolutely. And you're like, man, dude, you could not do this job. I know you think you could. I didn't. I, I couldn't be the guy to go tell some of these guys. Um, you know, imagine having to go tell Willie Calhoun last year. You're not going to believe this, but all that work you did losing the weight and getting better, but I need you to go start at Nashville. Um, you know, that, that's, I'm, that's not me. I'm too, I'm too fun loving to do that job. So, you know, and, and John Daniels, give him credit. I mean, people go, well, he's so impersonal. He's, you know, they, he comes across and I'm like, man, in that job, you almost gotta be. You got you got to be somewhat. Yes, he's a he, he is a nice guy to talk to. He's a friendly guy and all of that. But mm-hmm. he has to also his emotions have to stay reserved. Um, he has to be because he has to make decisions that we all think we could make, but it's not popular. And uh, you know, then we have to go all Michael Scott or something from the office. And <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get me started on the office because I can talk about the office for like hours upon end. So. We, we could do a whole pod on that. I love that show. Too. Oh, absolutely. Hey, so what, uh, the office. The office are lost. I, I could talk about them for hours. So, <laughs> I know I heard you talk about Lost on the podcast you were talking about, uh, and I I actually watched Lost. I, I it took me a while to get into. My in laws got into that, and then they got me. And I, that was a crazy one that, that got me following it. Hey, so do you know the dates yet? You're going to be in spring training. Uh, I plan on. Uh, it's not set in Sonia, which I know spring training is like right around the corner. But uh, again, this is all kind of happening like too close to the season right uh it's part it's just part of it's the the growing pains of this transition but my plan right now is to uh fly in the day before uh, the first full team workout and then i'll be there for uh seven or eight days so i'll probably be there for the first two or three games uh of spring training and then i'm gonna head back uh here to dallas and um kind of cover cover it from afar yeah, uh, but also be at all the different things that they're that they're doing here. Uh, sure. They're gonna obviously do the the food the stuff that they normally do uh, sometime in, in March for the ballpark. You know, closer to its completion and yeah, I'll get them more gonna, of that too. Yeah, so uh, the, the they're gonna have different media stuff here because uh, you know John Blake is gonna be coming back and then and, and you know being here for all that stuff too because it's a bit a bit of a different. Uh, it's, it's, it's a different animal. I, even though this was my first experience being on the full-time beat, uh, I, I already knew just common sense tells you that it, this offseason is a completely different beast because they're moving into a new ballpark. So, sure. um, yeah, it's just a completely different animal this year. And, and next offseason will be even diff- more different because then it'll be the first year of actually being in the new ball, coming out of the first full season in the new ballpark. So, Yes. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time for everybody to get used to uh, everything that's going on. But, uh, yeah, I plan on being out of the spring training for about, like I said, about seven or eight days, uh, really taking advantage of the, the entire team being out there since my time out there is going to be limited. Yeah. Uh, which is why I'm getting there a little later, not right when pitchers and catchers report, but I'd rather be there whenever I can get more access to more yeah. players. Yep, And uh, then uh, get some access to some games and get a chance to see some of the younger players and, just throwing a little bit out there. I don't want to go over time or anything, but uh, no, getting no, to good. be at, getting getting to be at mini camp and and see some of these younger players uh, hit. Yes, uh, I'm Sam Huff can to do hit. That. Sam Huff can hit the ball. I'm telling you right now. There is a reason why Baseball America grades his uh, power at seventy. 
Okay, the guy can hit the ball. He is he. It's impressive to to watch in person and to watch when you're standing right down the uh, the third base line and you're watching him just mash the ball. It's just like, oh, oh my god, the guy can hit the cover off the ball. I want to see uh, that have, too. I interviewed him last year, but it was over the phone, and and uh, mm-hmm. it's just a sweet kid, a really nice kid. But he talked about. So there's always a question I ask at, uh, when I'm interviewing one of the young guys. What's one thing nobody knows about you? Mm-hmm. Sam's thing was, I'm really strong. I don't think people realize how strong I am. And, uh, <laughs> and he goes, and, and now you're confirming that I want to see a pastel. That's somebody that's piqued my interest too. Um, in, yeah. in doing that. I, I didn't get a chance to see him hit, uh, because, you know, obviously we're, you know, we're there to get, uh, you know, availability with the, you know, coaches and players and everything. So the little bit of time that we were able to actually go and get a glimpse of some players, uh, the amount of players that I actually got to see, uh, were a bit limited, um, but uh, I did get to see Sam Huff hit, and that was impressive. Another guy who impressed me, at least in terms of hitting some live uh, live pitching, was uh, Adelise Garcia, uh, who they acquired from the Cardinals. Yes, uh, he's, oh, yes. He's, a, he's an impressive specimen in person. It looks like he could be a wrestler, honestly. Uh, <laughs> he, is, he is cut. Uh, uh, you heard Chris Woodward talk about it uh, when we were talking to him at minicamp. The, he's he's an impressive, impressive guy, and uh, uh, he strikes out too much, and that's obviously something that you know Chris Woodward and his regime are going to work with him on. Sure. Uh, but you talk about a guy who's got potential. Uh, the, the guy's got potential. He can is another guy who can hit the ball when he makes contact. You can hear it. Um, one guy who I another guy who I really like. Uh, and I saw him take taking grounders and stuff, but really liked seeing Isaiah, uh, Isaiah kind of Falefa, uh taking grounders. He was taking grounders at third yes. uh, whenever I was watching him a little bit at minicamp, and I, I really, really liked just – and he's gone through uh, – he, he looks like he's in a much better shape this year too. So um, hey. these, these guys are – I'm telling you, these guys are buying in to what, what, what the Rangers are trying to what do. What they're selling, yeah. They're they're buying they're buying into it. I mean, Calhoun's kept the weight off. Elvis looks like he's trimmed down a bit. Um, kind of Valesa's gone through a bit of a physical transformation. Uh, these guys are these guys are buying in. They're ready. They're hungry. They're ready to win. Yeah, I I agree. Well, on the spring training thing, it sounds like that you're going to be there about the time that Kathy and I, the the wife Kathy and I, are gonna we're gonna go for about four days right at the end mm-hmm. of February, first weekend of March right in that little time period. I think we leave out like on a Thursday and come back Sunday. So uh, it, it sounded like we'll probably be there together to, to hang out, maybe, uh, you know, get a beer or something or go. Some, I said something to Levi the other night at that concert. And he said, they all go play trivia or something. But anyway, if, it, it'll be- I, will, I will take, I will take uh, the last time uh, people, somebody offered me a beer. I actually took a, uh, um, one of those gigantic um, things of Mountain Dew that they just leave at tables. Yes. Um, uh, for people to share, and I, I'll just put a straw on that and drink out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got actually got a picture on my Instagram about that, um, where I, I, I'm 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 more of a Mountain Dew guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So, so no you can buy me a Mountain Dew. Uh, always good. I will so. buy you a Mountain Dew too. I have no problem doing that <laughs> if they've got it. Um, okay. So you know what? We're gonna we're starting to wrap this thing down. I wanted to hit about spring training real quick. And we got into that. We do have one question that someone sent. Uh, Jamie Hester was the guy. Um, we're mm-hmm. gonna really get more in depth when we do our uh, right when we're going into uh, the road show. I, I think that night one of our deals we're gonna kind of make our 
I think the the roster hopefully will be a little more set. But with what we have mm-hmm. at the time, maybe do some semi predictions about where we think they'll finish and who'll who'll do what, and that might be something we get into. But he said, as a Ranger roster is right now, with a full season of improved Calhoun, stronger defensive third baseman and Frazier, and and uh, what I think could be an open competition at second, I can see them competing for the wild card division. Are you taking the over on seventy nine win season like like myself? Um, I'm definitely taking the over on the 79 and a half wins that was set. That that to me was a an insultingly low number. Me too. With the with the additions that the Rangers have made in the rotation alone, are you? I mean, to to tell me that those additions aren't worth even two wins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of, an, of an improvement of last season. This is a seven. They're coming off of a 78 win season, and they've improved three spots in the rotation. They've improved uh, at catcher. They've improved at third base. And exactly. at least offensively, offensively, they've improved uh, in the outfield. Exactly. Because of the trio of Calhoun, Santana, and Gallo. Gallo back uh, for a season, yeah. Yes, and get a healthy Joey Gallo back for a season. Obviously, every time you're making a prediction like this, um, you're just assuming health. Is, is going to be there. Right. All season um, healthy, right. So, yeah, exactly. So uh, obviously anything can happen, but if everybody stays healthy, yes, I definitely think that that is an insultingly number. So I'm definitely taking the over. I think right now I probably, as of right now, and I haven't had a real chance to sit down and analytically put this together, sure, but absolutely. I'd probably say they're probably between 85 and 88 wins right now. God, we're on the um, same page. That's I'd, crazy. I'd, yeah, I'd probably lean closer to the 85 because I don't want to be too optimistic. Right. But uh, I, I don't want to start buying into my own excitement for seeing what guys like Gallo are capable of and what they could possibly do this year. Sure, yeah. But I, I think I'm more in the mid-80s right now when it comes to wins. Uh, if they would have set the Rangers' win total at what they the Angels' win total, then I'm a little more, okay, do I take it over the under? Because they put them at, I think, around 85 wins. Yeah, they – So that – with that no one I'm a little more skeptical for, of, but uh, yes, definitely the 79 and a half wins. I'm I'm definitely over. That is to me again insulting and low. You know what? And you're right on the same page. It's really weird. We're kind of in the same boat of what, who we like, right where we think we are right now with the roster they have put together. I mean, look. Let me let me go beyond the rotation that they've done. They, unlike the past, they have three legitimate guys at AAA who have made starts who are all capable of really. Let me tell you what, you take Kobe Allard, Brock Burke, who's going to go into the season injured. I saw that the other day with the shoulder. And you got Palumbo. Put those on at least half of the major league rosters, maybe 20 of them. They are probably in the rotation at the beginning of the year. Um, they're their number four or five down on the uh, in that roster with, with uh, there. And these are going to be AAA starters in, in the rotation in AAA. You go deep. Um, I mean, all you want when you have spot starts and bring up guy for a few starts, you want that guy to go four or five innings and uh, keep it keep it in check, get going. You know, let's not get away. We don't need seven or eight runs. If you can keep us at three runs for four or five innings, um, and, and you know, and do something like that's what you want to. And you've got three guys capable of it. Now they're also capable of getting. Ex- getting bombed but that's any starter that's young and you know getting his yeah. feet wet in the big leagues i mean you're not depend there there was a time before this offseason those were the guys you were depending are going to be your four or five starters they're going to be competing for now you're just you've already penciled them in barring you know knock on wood some injury to one of the starters we have they're going to be in triple a 
Um, that's why I say, look at the past minor and past Lynn last year. Look what the rotation. I think it was seven oh six ERA something. Today. It was it was terrible. It was a terrible number. It was a. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, they just they didn't have the depth. They relied on guys like Adrian Sampson and Ariel Harado uh, to start way more games than they ever anticipated them starting. Exactly. But, because they also brought in, you know, Drew Smiley. They brought in Shelby Miller, and those guys. Neither of the one. I mean, both both of those guys were off the roster by June. Yep. Just so, DFA. Uh, yes, I mean, just just gone. Not like, yeah. I mean, they just they're like, okay, well, we're just going to give the young guys a chance now. So neither one of those guys panned out. Obviously, Lance Lynn didn't just pan out. He turned into being a Cy Young, you know, earning Cy Young votes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this team. I, our um, one of my contributors, uh, Josh Carney, uh, just did a, a, a piece for the site this morning. Uh, it, it went on the site this morning about Joe Palumbo and his potential to in, impact the roster uh, this year. So, you know, I saw that. Yeah. I, I saw that because you tweeted it out, and I'm going to read. I don't know if you knew. I knew. I know Joe Palumbo's dad. Got to know him. I wrote mm-hmm. a piece about him last year, and got to know Joe. Um, l- let me tell you the number that people need to pay attention to Joe Palumbo. Not just what he did in the major leagues. He had a high ERA. He got bombed when you know he had the blister thing that happened too, uh, and mm-hmm. those freak injuries when he came up. Look at he, he hasn't had the innings, but look at his strikeout rate. Um, and, and oh, yeah. what he's trying to, and his spin rate. I was in Frisco at a game that he started, uh, one of the second, first or second starts of the year, and in, in his first start of the year, and uh, they they measure the spin rates. Now, Mike Miner's spin rates twenty five to twenty seven hundred RPMs per, on his fastball. Joe Palumbo, mm-hmm. John Palumbo does the same thing. And for those that don't yeah. know what that does, I had to learn it from someone because I, I love baseball and can tell you about baseball, but spin rates meant nothing to me until someone explained it. So if you're throwing 94 miles an hour, that's going to come across as 96 to 97. It just explodes on you. They call it exploding or a rising fastball, which doesn't actually rise. But that is huge spin rate like that. It just comes out of your hand, and it really has some life when it comes out of it. And Joe Palumbo has the same thing. And striking mm-hmm. out people, he has out pitches. Now, I've heard he's working on a new grip for his changeup. Um, you know, that he has, he throws a good curveball. Um, and he has three pitches and he was working on a fourth, maybe a slider, but he's a guy that I thought this guy with every, every level he's been at, you look at it, he pitched 39 innings, struck out 64 batters, you know, you know, something like that at each level. And even last year he pitched 16 innings. I believe it was 16 innings and struck out 28, maybe something to that. Anyway, it's still, he, he misses bats. And I'm telling you, if that doesn't translate into the rotation, which I think it would, that's a guy also that can come in. He misses bats. That's yeah. That's, that's a good skill to have. Yes, that's a, that's always a valuable skill to have uh, as a pitcher. I mean, you, you talk about. I mean, again, the other organization I grew up watching, uh, the the Pirates. Uh, they for for a while, a while here in in this past decade, they literally had a, a pitch to contact mentality. Mm-hmm. For their pitching staff, and I mean, my 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 main question is, why would you want your pitchers to pitch to contact? That makes zero sense. Yep. Why do you want the pitchers to actually get have the batters make contact? Now, granted, do you want them to always make weak contact? Yes, yeah, but ultimately, you want pitchers to miss bats, and especially when you had pitchers who are now thriving since they've left Pittsburgh, like Garrett Cole, like Charlie Morton, like Tyler Glass now. Yeah. Those guys have all done better. I mean, Charlie Morton's done it in two different places now. He did it in Houston. He's doing it in Tampa Bay. Right. Um, and Garrett Cole went from being 
a borderline all-star. I mean, he was an all-star in Pittsburgh, but he went from being a borderline all-star, you know, number two, fringe number one starter to being the best pitcher in baseball in two years. Yep, exactly. After leaving Pittsburgh. I mean, you're talking about, so why should any team want to preach that? And so, yes, that is definitely something that a pitcher should look to do. Now, now does everybody throw 97, 98, 99 miles an hour? No. No. So if you if you don't throw that hard, Yes, location does. I mean, some of the greatest pitchers of all time have been those. I mean, Greg Maddox could put the ball wherever he wants. Yes. Uh, and he threw you know, 89 miles an hour. But, I mean, again, he could put the ball wherever he wanted. But not everybody has that insane accuracy like a Greg Maddox did. So find ways to miss back. And when you have that ability like Joe Palumbo does, you yep. build off of that and you try to, I mean, and, and especially if you have a high spin rate on your, on your fastball, yeah. that's always something that, that can, that can be beneficial to you. And you see guys like, like you mentioned, like Mike Miner, who, you know, you, he saw an uptick in velocity when he became, when he came back and yep. after his two year absence and pitched with the Royals as a reliever. And you saw his uptick in velocity and ended up landing him a three year contract to possibly be a starter. And now he's turned into a Cy Young candidate. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, you're, you're talking about a young pitcher who still needs some time in AAA to, to just finish the final touches on, on his development. Uh, he, he proved last year that he's not ready to, to pitch in the major leagues on a regular basis, but right. he's almost there. Yep. But it wouldn't be surprising if by sometime in June or July, he's knocking down the door, and as soon as somebody happens to go down, you know, Chris Woodward's like, okay, Palumbo's the guy who we're calling up. Yep, exactly. Um so that that's definitely uh, somebody who who could who could do it. Obviously, Colby Allard is probably, as of right now, penciled in as the number six starter, um, yep. just because of not just his his experience last year, but the amount of success he had in his starts last year. So he's probably the number six guy right now. But you know, a guy like Joe Palumbo and his and his ability and his ceiling, absolutely, yep. he's got the potential to do it. Well, listen, Chris, we're, we, we've gone about 100. Look, uh, we don't have a set time. This is a podcast. We can go as long as we want. But we are going to go ahead and, and, and uh, wind this thing down. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm super excited about February 10th when we all get together. Uh, uh, Joe Carrillo is going to join us from Dallas Sports Nation also. Didn't mention him. It's going to be me and Chris, uh, Alex uh, Plink, and, and Joe Carrillo over at the uh, Dallas uh, – I mean, I'm sorry, Bricks Bar and Grill in Plano over in Old Town Plano. If you've ever been to the Old Town – uh, Plano, we're going to be there. Uh, Bricks Bar and Grill. We're going to make sure they have some uh, Mountain Dew for uh, Chris there when we get there, uh, <laughs> and probably kind of try to get started about seven o'clock. Go for about an hour, maybe a little over if we can. But we're going to have a fun time there. Hey, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on today. It was, it was. I, I mean, a little somber to start things off. Really, some horrible, tragic news with Kobe Bryant today. But uh, mm-hmm. we got ours out of the way. We had good talk here. This will, this will probably be out later tonight. Um, but I appreciate you coming on. And uh, go be with the family. And we will touch base and probably see each other at a couple things uh, maybe before we uh, get to that February 10th. Absolutely. It was a, it was a pleasure coming on. And we'll, see, we'll be seeing each other soon, uh, obviously. And uh, just ready for baseball season to get started, man. It's almost there. It's it's. It's getting hard to wait at this point. The days seem to go by slower, but uh, it'll get there eventually, and uh, we'll finally have some baseball to watch again. Absolutely. That's Chris Halleck from Sports Illustrated um, and uh, Rangers Maven. Chris, thanks a lot, and we will see you next time, buddy. Thank you. All right.
All right, that was Chris Halleck. That's so so awesome that Chris came on. Listen, we're going to wind this thing down, folks, and we're going to uh, uh, remind you again about uh, the Rangers Nation Roadshow on February 10th at Bricks Bar and Grill. Um, and uh, for everyone that listened, I really appreciate it. For Chris, obviously, taking time out of the day with his family to be with us. Uh, great talk here. Um, be sure and share this and like it and uh, share it with anybody you know that this is a good, good place to uh, come and listen to some Ranger talk. Um, for everyone, like I said, thanks a lot and thanks to Chris like I say at the end of everything uh, that I ever write and at the end of every one of these podcasts nerd out